Welcome to Confessions of a CEO. This is the show where I'll be taking you behind the laptops and lives of some of the best and brightest female minds in the online business game. The frank, funny, and inspiring chats that we have behind closed doors are about to be revealed. This is the secret sauce that you need to hear that's going to help you and blow your mind at the same time. No fluff, just all of the honest good stuff. I'm your host, Mel Moore. I'm a CEO, embodiment, and business coach for female online entrepreneurs. And I'm also the founder of a boutique, virtual assistant agency. I'm so excited you're here. Let's dive into today's episode. I'm so excited you're back, Laura. So we did a great episode that covered so many different topics. Uh, Go back and listen to it on Confession of CEO if you haven't. And Mm. I wanted to, we did say before, I wanted to get you back because I wanted to do kind of like a I was about to say quick and dirty, but you know what I mean? Like a quick and effect, quick and effective. <laughs> you just gave me such a look. <laughs> a quick and effective episode on the money and entrepreneurship is quite a, it's an emotionally fraught subject. It's a practically challenging thing. So one thing, you know, I love is financial literacy for every woman I work with. And so I'll just kind of help them with that side of their business as well. But when we suddenly come into self-employed work, we don't always necessarily know how to handle our money, especially when our income fluctuates. So I thought today we could kind of dive into some really practical ways to help entrepreneurs in this journey of like income goes up, income goes down, but how can you be really financially smart and savvy for your present Mm -hmm. and your future self as well? So excited to dive in. Oh, juicy. So (laughs) I think the topic of sort of what the first question I want to ask is what do you wish every business owner did from the beginning that was financially sensible? (laughs) I love this question. Such a good question. Really made me think. I was like, yeah, like I think first of all, I would say about having money Mm. dates. We, we, We think so much about our personal finance and like, okay, if we're working towards this goal, let's sit down and break down how much we need to save. If we are trying to work out you know, in, whether it's investing, whatever our bigger goals are, we always sit down and yeah. have a money date with ourselves, or I always recommend to. But if you're not doing that with your business finances, then like you're completely kind of missing out on connecting with your finances in yeah, that sense. Absolutely. What practically is a money date? Like, what does that actually look like? So on a practical level, it literally means like, imagine how you would, you've got a partner, you've been together however long. If you're not dating and you're not, you know, having quality time together, something's going to fall apart <laughs> at some point. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let's be real. So you have to, <laughs> yep. I mean, I'm not speaking from experience. I've literally been single my whole life, but I'm assuming that you need to give it quality time. So scheduling some time into your diary, it could be an hour of an evening, you know, at the end of the month, have have a cup of tea, have your favorite drink. I I don't necessarily recommend alcohol because (laughs) the spreadsheets might get a bit wonky. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There'll be numbers flying around left side, left, right and center. Have a tea, you know, whatever you fancy, get cozy, create a sense of safety, engage all the senses, candles, nice music, etc. Get the environment right. And then literally sit down and reflect judgment free on how the last month has Mm. gone, how this year has gone, how what would you like next month to look like and just figure out like just reflect what worked what didn't because we need data we need to know what's going on without data you can't make a tangible plan so this is mm. just you're just data gathering now if you're doing that with your personal finances you might look at what your spending is do i need to cut back on expenses have i got yeah. any subscriptions i'm not using you know where are my money leaks 
how much have I made this month? Um, where do I need to spend money next month? Is it birthdays? Is it uh, Christmas, etc. And then check in with your financial goals. I said I wanted to save £500 last month. Did I do that? How are my investments doing? When it comes to your business, yep. the exact same is, you know, so it's kind of, uh, it doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to do your own yeah. bookkeeping, but to have a spreadsheet or to keep on track of your finance, uh, business finances is really important. So how much did I make in revenue this month to sales? How much have I spent out on, you know, uh, materials or my time or systems? You know, where is my money going? And it's going to same again, you're going to have your fixed expenses and your subscriptions for your tools and apps and platforms. And then you're going to have um, variable expenses. So maybe, you know, you took a client out for dinner, maybe you had to get yourself yeah. an Uber, you know, whatever that looks like. And then just tracking and being like, okay, so what, what profit what margin did I make this month? Am I on track? I set myself a six month goal of making 50k in the business. Am I there yet? Have I got a long way to go? Have I just hit it? Yeah. And just spending a bit of time doing that. Now, the reason why people don't always do this, or they take a long time to do it is they just get into the avoiding mode. And they just assume well, it's going to be too hard. I don't like the numbers. Maybe I'm not going to like what I see. And it it gives over control yes. to the money. Because you know, fear whereas actually if you're setting yourself a goal you set it because there's you know you need to have some belief that you can hit it it doesn't have to be super realistic it can still be a stretch goal but there still has to be the belief that it's possible if you're setting yourself big goals that you feel like you can't reach and then you're not paying attention to your finances not only do you not know if you're getting there but it means that you're letting money win I literally this week went and spent I set myself an two hours and I spent all day doing it I literally reviewed the last six months I had all my numbers they were in different places I was like I really want to get forensic about this and see you know what profit I've got Mm. team I've got expenses at the level of business that I'm at so certain things do cost more than someone in the new stages of their business but there was a little feeling in my brain that I was like I need to do an overview so that I can also project for the next you know three to six months if I want to take say a chunk of December off like realistically am I going to make enough in October and November and if so what can I dial up to bring that in so I went from perhaps not necessarily I don't have fear around my numbers but I used to and sitting in front of a spreadsheet would give me a feeling of financial safety because I could see it Mm. and I see so much avoidance in my clients if I even ask them what's coming in what's going out in your business and what are your base um, outgoings in your personal life there's just a blank look of fear and unless you face your numbers mm. you can't possibly imagine you can hold more or or set a goal for more right mm. and you must see that so much in your clients as well yeah so common so so common so I have this like I have a when I work with clients one-to-one if they don't own a business I just we just have a spreadsheet for their personal finances like a monthly budget your net worth all of those things but if they run a business as well I mm. have a business version as well obviously it looks very different we sit down and we like create it together and we go through and the amount of clients that are like I I'm, I don't have any of this tracked and I'm like so how do you know like how much you're spending on expenses they're like well I just yep. they don't and for me it shocks me because I know how important that is and then I'm like hang on a minute this yeah. is that's like the curse of knowledge right when you know it's important you know it's yep. important but if you don't know you don't know you can see the shift in them when they go well the situ- my, my financial situation hasn't changed but simply seeing the numbers has made me feel yep. better made me feel empowered because then you can remove a lot of the emotion yeah. like guilt and shame mm-hmm. because you're doing the work. Absolutely. Now, obviously, like the emotional side is it's deeper than just saying yes. remove it. But like, do you know what I mean? You can work towards removing it. Conversation with a client recently because she was very much in that who am I to charge this, right? She was undercharging and we were just bringing her mm-hmm. up to baseline industry standard. It's VA or IBM. And a lot of the conversation was centered around this discomfort she had with charging what is normal. Not even 
outrageous or Mm. next level, just Mm. normal to survive. And I ended up saying to her, like, what was your financial situation in your family like growing up? How did money, what money behaviors were in your house? I hadn't intended to have that conversation. I'm not a therapist or a, a money mentor at all. But the light bulbs that happened and she was able to go off and actually look at her numbers without fear. And it kind of released this almost low level, low level anxiety she had about what she was charging and begin to just normalize it. It, it when you take that emotional mm. pressure off of it it makes such a difference to like to actually see your numbers and mm. realize that you need to know your baseline and it's not that scary and it's literally all figure outable as well mm. and I always say like how can you make investments in your business if you don't know what yes. investment money you have you want to, okay you just see you know you want to come and work with me to help with your business finance you want to come mm-hmm. work with you and they need like support if you're like, I really want that how are you going to know whether it's a good a good investment a good financial investment and if you can even afford to do it so you're either going to a do it anyway and that can cause some anxiety around I just made a decision mm-hmm. without knowing that sort of impulsivity or you're going to miss out on the opportunity because you're going to not feel like you have enough and you're going to then miss out on investing in yourself and your business mm, because you're so not looking true. at the numbers. And a lot of the and a lot of the time the reason why we have a lot of us the reason why we have businesses is I can imagine a lot of CEOs or a lot of you know business owners yes. would be like part of its freedom. Time freedom which you know leans also into money freedom like the freedom mm. to have more time you 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 use money to kind of create you can't make up more time mm-hmm. but you allow yourself to have more time by spending money maybe on convenience or being your money growing in an investment account so you can step away yeah. from work you know whatever that looks like and yet a lot of business owners when they avoid their finances are taking away their own freedom because they don't have like emotional freedom mic drop on that that's a whole thing you just said there say it again business owners Mm -hmm. want time freedom if you are avoiding your own Mm. finances within the business you are taking away your own freedom because you don't have emotional freedom i could just i could just hit Mm. stop on this recording because that's just gold (laughs) that's just gold in order to have more freedom in your life and business you need to know your numbers and in that vein what are the best investments Mm. that business owners can make because obviously we're they're walking into the space having maybe come from maternity leave or businesses, employment, and they're walking into this whole thing and they, they probably don't even think about things like pensions or investments. Or I got off our little po- last podcast recording and I was like, right, stocks and shares ISA, ding. Because <laughs> I was like, a fiver this month in a stocks and shares ISA is better than nothing no month ever. Exactly. Oh, I love that. I did. I was such an action, action taker. taker. So what is the best thing that business owner can do to protect themselves and think about their financial future from day one so when you are a nine-to-fiver and you work for a business you it's the law that you get automatically if you're over 21 mm-hmm. enrolled into a workplace pension now for anybody who doesn't know this is listening a pension if you have a pension you already are an investor because your money is being invested in the stock market behind the scenes for you. That's how your money grows to be big for your retirement. Now, if you are no longer a nine to five or never have been, if depending on whether you're self-employed or like whether you're a business owner, be slightly different how you might put the money in there, but you can open up a personal pension. So a SIP, Mm -hmm. which is self-invested personal pension. It's the same as a work pension, but you're the one paying in instead Mm -hmm. of your employer paying in. If you're a director, you can have of your own business, you can have a SIP, but you can pay yourself through your business. But if you're an employer, obviously you just, they take a cut from, if you're an employee, sorry, Mm -hmm. you take a cut from your paycheck and they put, they put some in. Now the thing about a pension account is that you can only touch the money 
at the retirement age yeah. for the government, yeah. like state pension age, which I think at the moment is like, mm-hmm. I want to say 65. But the positive of it is that you get tax relief. So if you, you get 20% tax relief. So if you put 800 pounds in there, the mm. tax relief would be 20%. So that'd be too much. Yeah. And when we say, when, when you say that, you basically mean that if you've got a limited company and you're paying your pension out of your business account, it comes as a little bit of a tax write off. So it kind of lowers your expenses yeah, a tiny exactly. bit. So it's all tax incentives. Yeah. But Google tax write-off so you understand what that means because expense everything in business so you pay less (laughs) tax where you need to but obviously keep your profit lines high yeah exactly so yeah so it can be a tax it can help with taxes and you get tax relief the other end so when the money is going into your pension the government add 20 percent in so there's pros and cons to a pension the maximum contribution is or the maximum tax-free annual limit Mm -hmm. for your pension is 100% of your salary or £60,000, whichever there is lower. So basically 60k gets capped out. But that includes your contribution and um, if there's an employer contribution. Now, obviously, if you're a director mm-hmm. doing that, that doesn't count. It's just a 60k. But if you invest in the stock market yourself, so not in a pension, you can invest in a stocks and shares ISA, which is a, a tax effective, um, yeah. a, a tax efficient account. And you can put up to £20,000 in there per tax year. You invest that yourself in the stock market. So you're making the decisions of what you're investing in, like you're doing the deals yourself. And the pro of that account is that it's easy access. So unlike a pension where you have to wait until it's state state pension age, Stocks and shares, I see you can just buy and sell on the stock market as you wish. So deposit and withdraw as you wish. So there's pros and cons to both. And usually like the rule of thumb is like max out the pension, the the pension pot first Mm. and then go to stocks and shares, I sell. But if you, for example, are someone who is wants to retire, you're like, oh, no, I want to retire like like 40 or 50, like way before the retirement age. Your focus might be better as stocks and shares, ISA, because even though you don't get tax relief, you get yeah, to definitely. access that money when you want. So it's, it's going to depend on what you need. But either way, investing for the future is key definitely. for your own financial and, and protection. And caveat to all of this, we're not financial advisors, so we always seek financial advice. Um, but there are simple things that you can do. There are apps where you, like I've, there's an app, I think it's Moneybox that I use. It's just a simple stocks and shares ISA and it makes it really easy. So when we're talking about choosing your investments, don't worry, it's not that complicated. <laughs> but also go see Laura and have a chat and get yeah. her advice on that moving forward if you want some advice and support with that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, that's one thing I always say is like the, big, the, the, the most important thing is that you know what you're investing in and that you feel confident in it. So getting that bit of education first mm. so you can make your own decisions is really my accountant recommended a pension advisor to me a bunch of years ago and I've been working with him ever since and he's taken my employee uh, pensions and put them all into a pot for me and he's done like a risk assessment so we've upped my risk level so that's all playing in the background and every six months he checks in with me and says oh there's a fund that's sustainable and renewable which is where he knows that my interests lie would you like to move it across it's showing x interest rate over the last year so I think it's a good investment and he'll move some of my pot over so I'm more knowledgeable now and he just sits there and he does his thing it's great so if you want his details I'll always send them to you he's amazing um but what Mm -hmm. can business owners do with a fluctuating income because we say these things it's not always that simple or straightforward because sometimes clients will leave clients will go come rather come and go and what is something with a fluctuating income that somebody can do and to better manage their money so 
for me, I used to and still do have like, a, I think it was a 50, 30, 20 rule. So uh, 20% were going savings, 30% in tax, 50% on bills. And it was kind of this ratio so that I knew like 30% of my income was going into a little savings pot for tax and NI so that I'd never get caught out by the tax man. If I could save 20% of every single bit of client income, I would. And then 50% would be expenses, bills, whatever. And I'd still have a little bit you know, somewhere else. So is there anything you'd recommend for especially entrepreneurs, business owners? Yeah, so I think the harder thing, the hardest thing about being freelance or a business owner is that more so if you're freelance is that you don't know how much you're going to get each month. So if you're freelance, self-employed, like, um, or like contractor, you could be getting all different amounts. If you are an actual like director of your own business, you can obviously a bit more set with like, I'm going to pay myself X yeah. amount. You still mm-hmm. have to bring that money into the business. But all of that being said, I think the key thing is like work out, especially if you've been in like running your own business for quite some time, is like work out what your average yeah. income has been. So like work out what has been the average over the last 12 months, 24 months. Mm-hmm. So what's the average per month? And um, what's like been the most lowest that it's been? So you're creating yeah. kind of like a range for yourself. And when you're then managing your own money, I always say, obviously, if you're listening to this and you're thinking you're about to go self-employed or you're about to do it, if you're listening to this and you're like, I've been doing it for ages, you can still build up to this, Mm. but like creating a buffer so that you're always like a month or two ahead of bills. So then that way, if you're not getting your invoices paid or if some, if a client drops out or something Mm. happens, you have slightly lower income, you, you've got a buffer. You're not going shit I need to find money within the next four days you're going okay I've got eight weeks to make up that money like you're giving you're buying yourself time Mm -hmm. and I think that that helps a lot of the time and then like also working out like how much does it cost to be you how much obviously it's like the same as like knowing your numbers but like when it comes to like your spending and what your bigger financial goals are and you want to work towards because that's going to help you understand kind of the two and if you can get ahead by a month or two even if that means right now being you know a bit more strict a bit more having a bit more of a budget that you're sticking to to get to build up that pot to build up that nest egg so you can get ahead two or three months worth of discomfort in you know that will create months and months worth of safety and security and that's that's nice emotionally as well because how many conversations do you have with clients I know I have them where the clients like I really like my clients are like I really want to let go of this client who just feels horrid to work with now but I'm I don't have another client on the horizon and I don't have the savings to be able to let this one go and cope and that's what having Mm. that buffer of savings would allow someone to do because when we say financial safety that's what it is it's being able to make the choices that align with you for not only your mental health, but your business. And just having that buffer will allow you to make better decisions for yourself where you're not so scared to let go of a difficult client or worry that something will fall off. And that's so important. I love that. It's true. And I, the same, I've I've got people that are like, I want (laughs) to get rid of this client or this whatever. And you're like, okay, well, you have to make, you know, there's got to be shifts to do that. And money is the thing that can allow that Mm. choice as well, like in getting to pick who you work with. And and like, that's what, again, like LinkedIn's like why we run a business, right? Because we want to do something we care about. We want to work with people we Mm -hmm. like and we want to enjoy our jobs. Otherwise, if we didn't want to enjoy our jobs, we'd all go get jobs (laughs) that we hated just because they were really high paychecks, which some people do. And that's okay. But for, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of doing that unless, you know, (laughs) not unless, not unless, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, I did it for 10 years. So yeah, I think just just 
acknowledging like if I'm uh, if I exhibit positive financial behaviors and habits and I do the work, I do the mindset mm-hmm. work, I do the practical work, mm-hmm. I will get rewarded and I will feel a whole lot different yeah. in literally just six months, which frees up my brain for creativity and showing up as my best self and productivity. And then you'll shock yourself like, wow, the knock on yeah. effect that that has is greater than anything else that I could have, you know, I think it all comes to was a word that you used earlier, empowered, financially, emotionally. Mm. And you touched on mindset there. And that's mm. where I want to go next, because it's such a big part of, mm-hmm. you know, we, it, it's similar to me offering someone a business strategy. They're not going to go out and execute that if they've got enormous mindset blocks or struggles every time they try to do something their brain just won't let them do Mm -hmm. things so the mindset towards money is so important and so what do you what do we need to know or think or do when it comes to people's money mindset when they start being self-employed like what's the sort of thing that they need to notice pay attention to and kind of help them move through it so I think a couple of things is everybody's going to have different money beliefs that will show up differently when they then start Mm. when they go self-employed so for example um, I might have mentioned this on the last episode I can't remember but like my belief used to be Mm. money is really hard to make because I had a self-employed dad that worked six sometimes seven days a week and us we as a family did not have a lot of money at all and I knew about it so I was like wow is that working all the time money must be really hard to make so therefore no one else in my family was self-employed or you know I didn't, apart from he was my role model in that area, subconsciously. So I was like, even though I was making money and I had a really cool offer and a business that I'd set up, I didn't go self-employed for nearly like Mm. two years because I was so scared of what that looked like. And it wasn't until the mindset work, I was like... I challenge that belief. Like, is money really hard to make or is my dad just a really bad <laughs> Thank you for challenging the belief. Because it's it's the work, right? There's a, I think I'll link it in the show notes. There's yeah. something called a fear inventory. I've, um, oh, I can't remember the psychologist, a woman created it. And it is basically to, when you feel that sort of block coming up about money or you're scared to look at your finances, it's an exercise where you write down all of your fears around it and you have to write 20 minimum and it's amazing what starts bubbling up from your subconscious you know like the the normal ones start where you're like I'm scared of like not making enough money but why but what's underneath that like because I won't pay my bills yeah I love the yeah the five but why but why but why why? and then it all comes bubbling up and you sort of start to see patterns in your beliefs and behaviors around money that you might have inherited and then you're bringing them forward but actually challenging whether you believe them to be true whether you've inherited them and what you believe to be different and what you believe you will actually achieve and are capable of and a lot of that also comes with I see clients where they've had maybe a big launch or something and they're holding the most money that they've ever held and instead of thinking oh my god this is so exciting because it's only going to get better from here like if I've done this it's the launch pad off we go the opposite tends to be true is that they feel like fearful of holding so much money and immediately they they don't believe they're going to do it again it's almost like being on a cliff face with the sheer drop instead of the we're just starting this mountain and I can get to the top so easily so it is so interesting to challenge the beliefs as you said because they're just ingrained and we don't yeah. know carry them we don't know <laughs> yeah I know they're in there deep yeah and I think like like you say about it's really common that people get scared to hold a lot of money because they don't trust in themselves that they're going to do the right thing with it especially if they've got like they've made financial mistakes Mm. in business and in life in the past like 
bad me, I was irresponsible, bad me, I made bad choices, you know, I'm not trusted with money. And that can be really common with people that are overspenders or struggle to stick to a budget or find themselves making rash decisions. They can then not trust themselves. So therefore, when they do get money, they spend it as quickly as possible because they don't trust themselves with it. But then that plays into this idea of, see, I'm not good with money. So it rolls into one. Yeah. Or it goes the other way and it's like people Mm. hoard money. And this is another thing that's like so not good for businesses. Like people assume that you should like, hoard money in a business like let's get the savings account you know really high but if that if you are holding too much cash within your business that means you're making a massive profit and therefore you're not getting to enjoy the buying power of that in the year where you could maybe invest that into courses and systems that are better or people and teams instead it's sat there in cash but then yeah. you pay a massive tax bill so then you're doing all that hard work just to give a large portion of it away because you're yeah. not letting that cash flow so it that's can be another block especially if you're you're a bit of a hoarder with your own money like and it's not always that what shows up in your personal finances shows up in your business finances it could show up the complete opposite like you know it, it's mm. that's not it's not a direct copy but it's just becoming aware of the way that it's showing up and that's the kind of i guess money management part of it which you're responsible for if you are a small business mm. and you know you're managing the finances you know unless you're huge you're a finance director you're huge but you know big yeah. enough for somebody else to manage it like it that is on you to kind of learn and understand and yeah. implement I love that so much and I think my final question is around a bit of abundance mindset and kind of money mindset mantras and things that we can do to develop that belief in ourselves that we can hold money that it, you know we're worthy of receiving it what kind of tips or anything around that can you sort of suggest to people that would help them move forward with their methods and mindset around money so I think firstly Mm. just quickly touching on worth I think a key thing is when you start running your own business and you start charging there's this phrase that's like charge your worth but the issue with that is (laughs) if you have low self-worth that means you're gonna charge very low for really good work not a number that's a, yeah that's it's a, intangible that's a, like a whole scale of where you that's not helpful <laughs> yeah judge your worth relative to what now <laughs> <laughs> yeah on whose stick so yeah so I say like detach your sense of self-worth from your mm. from your net worth so therefore your money is not attached to who you are as a person and that helps because then if you've got a bit of debt you don't feel as bad about yourself and if you've got loads of money you don't fall into the trap of people who become assholes so it's like you get to still be you and you're worthy no matter where you're at with your finances and then when it comes to charging you can be more logical about it okay what's market rates okay what is the value that I'm offering not how valuable I am and yeah so that's I think a key thing and the more you work on your Mm self-worth it's only going to help you in business because it just allows you to be more confident with how you're showing up and then I think when it comes to your money mindset first off is really important to know the connection that it has to like mm. your nervous system if your nervous yeah. system is shot to bits you can create new beliefs but you're not gonna be able to like embed them because your nervous system is always gonna if you're always in fight or fly you're always gonna be going to the 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 threatening the dangerous yeah. kind of like response like very reactive very like ah you know what, what are we doing to sort ourselves out so you can never yeah. think from a place of calm so then even if you're saying money mantras and you're doing the money mindset work your nervous system like overrides yeah. it that makes sense so nervous system work around your nervous system is really important like things like breath work and meditation so things that are somatic and they're in your body you can't just think your way out of a solution you have to kind of like move your way through it so true yeah and then you know when it comes to like leaning into an abundance mindset 
I think tools like practicing gratitude are really important and like using visualizations mm-hmm. as well. I love using visualization as a tool for and how, creating a bunch yeah. of mindset, like using your how, how visualization. How, yeah. Give us some examples. So, so the way, thing that I say when it comes to visualization is your body creates a physiological response when you think of mm-hmm. something. So like if you think of a lemon, you start to get like tangy, yep. you know, like you start to salivate and there's no lemon. So your imagination is really powerful. So you go, you use visualization, which would be like sitting down, closing your eyes, getting into a sort of relaxed state, and then visualizing yourself, either in like third or first person, doing something, creating something, having celebrated something, or in a challenge, whatever that looks like, and you're teaching your brain how to respond in a certain moment. And the way that that helps with abundance is you can use visualization. So you can visualize yourself Mm. with an abundance of money. So if you are visualizing it, your brain starts to believe Mm. that it's true over time. So if you're imagining, you know, you'd have to imagine yourself in a graph, (laughs) like rolling around in notes, but you might imagine your lifestyle where money doesn't feel painful and you're just happy, you know, wherever you're at Mm. and you're imagining the feeling that it creates. So there's a big connection between the two and I think it's a really I think one of the simplest things tool. is to imagine you know so you know your numbers you know on a personal or business level what you need to bring in and then just picturing three times that in your bank account what the difference that's going to make to your day your life the way you feel when you wake up the way you feel when you go to bed and close your eyes because for most people that will just remove a level of anxiety and that's almost as you say like visualizing you're just it's how you would yeah. feel to have that comfortably and with ease makes such a difference. And then it goes towards like visualizing that you can actually have that as well. And I always like to say when a, when a client's got a win coming in, for instance, or they've signed a client or they've had a successful discovery call, I'm like, tell me, describe how it feels. And they look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, where is it happening in your body? What is that feeling? And I don't know if I said this to you before, but for me, wins feel or happy moments feel like the warmth of sun on my skin all over my body and the fizz of like happy champagne bubbles through my skin as well at the same time. It's like this Love zingy, that. happy, warm, hugged feeling. And when they can identify what a win feels like and, and be present in that moment, they can start to imagine applying that to that's a constant in your life frequently over and over again because you're achieving because you're bringing in money for this example and so it's so lovely to think about visualization in that way to actually think about how it feels in your body not just your bank account right Mm, I love that identify what a win feels like that's so nice and it's true because what you're using when you use visualization or practicing gratitude or different tools like that you're teaching your body how to feel different so you're teaching it a feeling, not just a thought. And when you have a feeling, your feeling is what then drives your behavior. So you're going to act differently. So if you can create that nice feeling in your body, because you create the feeling first and then the action happens. I think that's why the I'll be happy when I'll be happy when it's all bullshit, because it's like, no, because you create yeah. that feeling of happiness in your body first. And then you attract mm-hmm. things that are going to lean into that more because you're then aligning with that kind of behavior um and yeah when it comes to money I think there's so much ick and cringe and like shame and guilt they're the feelings that we want to move through and know that on the other side because if you're not managing your money you're not looking in your bank account you're not sorting out your business finances the the win you get when you make money is going to be dampened by the little like 
money management mm-hmm. gremlin in the corner so, so not only is it's not making it feel as nice and then there's that you know you might be like oh yeah it's made a sale but then it'll be like oh god it's probably i don't really know it's you know yeah. all the, oh, the it's gonna go out is it just gonna be zero when i look anyway so what's the point in looking and you don't celebrate your joy <laughs> yeah and it just becomes a matter of survival like need to get more money and need to get more money in but then it's coming a from a place of scarcity mm-hmm. which we don't want and then selling and running your business doesn't feel good we want to we you know if you're not if you're not feeling good in your business and you're not having fun what's the point this has been amazing you're such a little guru of money so if anyone <laughs> wants to come and find you where can they find you and how can they work with you so i'm on all of the socials i'm on tiktok i'm on instagram um linkedin i have a podcast Definitely called mind money soul it's all about the emotion thank you the emotional practical and spiritual sides of money and i also have my website which is um mymoneysoul.co.uk and yeah if you want to work with me i mainly do like one-to-one work with clients um around your money mindset and the practical business side personal finance side please do it's going to be well worth your time to work with this lovely (laughs) genius thank you so much for coming back and talking us through practical mindset tips for entrepreneurs and business owners it's just been so wonderful thank you thank you for having me Thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful you hit play. And if you liked what you heard, please leave a review, especially on Apple, and hit subscribe so you never miss a new episode. If you love this and think someone else would too, then don't be shy, share it with them. Let's inspire even more women. And every month I'll be picking one lucky soul for a free coaching call. All you need to do is screenshot your review and DM it to me, or share your favorite episode to social media and tag me at MeldaBizCoach for a chance to win a free session. Head to the show notes for all the details, and I'll see you next time.